the ability to fail fast and fix fast. So I think that is the goalkeeper's biggest biggest tool. So, you know, we are all going to make mistakes undoubtedly. I think some of the um, some of the best goalkeepers, they still make mistakes, but the ability to fail fast and subsequently fix fast uh, and demonstrate again, I think is the biggest asset a goalkeeper can have. Hello guys and welcome to a new episode of The Gloves On Podcast. We're your hosts, Alexander Brams, and alongside me is Marcus Sundan, as always. And today we are joined by a new guest, Ben Benson, goalkeeper coach of Blackburn Rovers. Welcome. Thank you very much. Glad to uh, glad to be on here with you both. Looking forward to it. We are looking forward to it as well. And hopefully we'll have a very great conversation about goalkeeping and goalkeeper coaching in general and your journey uh, of going from uh, the youth of Blackburn into the senior and then your little unconventional route but we'll get <laughs> back into that yeah. uh, first of all we have our usual segment here in the newest season of Gloves on Podcast which is our fire question so if you're ready then we'll yeah, take it ready away. to go yeah all right then gloves on or gloves off uh very much gloves on um Albeit, unfortunately, the um, the winters can get quite bad in Blackburn. So what I've very found is is when uh, when your gloves get soaking wet, um, your hands start to freeze over. So uh, when the rain comes and the winter comes, it's always gloves on. But as the team starts to winter into shape and whatever else, the, the gloves have been known to come off at times as well. Yeah. Yeah, makes <laughs> it makes sense. And I, I know the it's it's awful with the winter and, and gloves and wet gloves. All right, Ben. Favorite goalkeeper of all time. Uh my favorite goalkeeper of all time is Shea Given. Um so uh growing up a Newcastle United fan, uh for one. Um and really that being my first foray into football. Um very first game I watched was Newcastle PSV. I think it was in the uh, in the Champions League or uh, UEFA Cup as it was then, perhaps. Um, and oh, just seeing him play, you know, not not um, super athletic, um, big moments uh, out of possession, played big as well. So albeit not a, a conventional kind of six foot five, six foot six goalkeeper, you know, I just felt he played played very big super athletic big save um so he was my uh, he was my favorite goalkeeper of all time love that answer he's also a legend uh <laughs> next question is favorite goalkeeper that you have played with or coached oh well played with unfortunately i played as an amateur so i don't think uh, anybody would recognize anybody i played with um i think it's um i think it's very very difficult to to, to pick a, a favourite goalkeeper. What I would say is I've been very, very fortunate in my time um, here at Blackburn and uh, my time in my previous club at Carlisle United to have worked with some really, really talented um, players. So I'll probably sit on the fence in terms of naming an individual, but um, I've been very, very fortunate to work with some really, really talented goalkeepers. So uh, I appreciate that's probably not what the listeners want to hear, but... Um, as I say, there's been a couple who have uh, who are super talented. Next question, last question is most important aspect within goalkeeping. Um, in terms of a player, um, I think it's the ability to fail fast and fix fast. 
So um, I think that is the goalkeeper's biggest biggest tool. Um, so, you know, we are all going to make mistakes undoubtedly. Um, I think some of the um, some of the best goalkeepers, they still make mistakes, but the ability to fail fast and subsequently fix fast uh, and demonstrate again, I think is the biggest asset a goalkeeper can have in possession, out of possession, in transitional moments. I think I think that is the, the biggest attribute a goalkeeper can have. Yeah, definitely agree. Like the, f- the fix fast, uh, fail fast, fix fast is uh, it's something that I really like, and it's a new way of saying it. Yeah. Um, but we, we we have definitely had some uh, guests on where they said that some former pros, I think, uh, without naming names, will will like former Premier League goalkeepers or, or Championship yeah. goalkeepers. They said that if they made a mistake, like they would just take so long to recover and get back into it. Uh, so, with Absolutely. that being said, it's it's now it's so important, uh, and it's just you can't really do anything about it. So you have to just get back in there. No, no. And I think when it, it comes back to your second question about um, talented people um, you, you may have worked with, I think the one commonality be, between them, the, the ones I've been lucky enough to work with, um, the one commonality between them all is their ability to fail fast and fix fast. Um, they That you only have to tell them something once and they, they can go and apply it and demonstrate it. So I do think that um, that is a real tool um, that can that can help you. So that's just something I've picked up over over the course of time, really. And I was on a on a subsequent course, and um, it was it wasn't related to football. It was related to uh, I think it was business in some description. But the guy was talking about people's ability to fail fast and fix fast, and it's something that's always stuck with me. Uh, and when I liken it to um, to some of the goalkeepers, as I said, I've been very lucky to work with. Um, that seems to be the commonality between them all. If if I could pick a commonality, so. Yeah, interesting. That's uh, I think that's also a new answer to our fire question. So that's great. <laughs> oh, ben, um, so you said you played as an amateur and now you're a professional goalkeeper coach. Tell us about that journey. <laughs> um, well, it started many moons ago. Um, so you mentioned earlier on I'm, I'm 32. Um, I came to football quite late. Um, so believe it or believe it not, in a previous life, I used to uh, I used to do motocross, which uh, a lot of people uh, a lot of people would laugh at. Completely polar opposite to football. Um, when um, when I got to secondary school, so kind of twelve, thirteen, just playing football in the in the school playground with um, with my friends and stuff like that, I very quickly uh, got put in goals for whatever reason. I don't know what that reason was, but. I very quickly got put in goals. And since then, it's something that Tony Elliott has said previously. Um, I probably caught the goalkeeping bug, really, um, from from that moment on. Um, that kind of led to, uh, well, firstly, I had to break my dad's heart, saying that I didn't want to uh, ride motorbikes anymore. So that broke his heart um, and said I wanted to go into, uh, into football. Um, but like I say, very much um, played amateur, um, fell into coaching very, very quickly, um, probably through virtue of knowing I wasn't going to be a professional footballer, through probably through lack of ability um, and um, and whatever else. But I found out very, very quickly that um, I, I wasn't going to be able to make it as a, as a professional. Um, interestingly, on, on your previous podcast, you had Tony Elliott um, on, and Tony is somebody who... Um, who who took 
I look, I've got a lot of time and respect for, you know, he's been a fantastic mentor for me. And and I used to go to his goalkeeping, um, his goalkeeping schools that he ran uh, from where I'm from in Cumbria um, and went there and, you know, had no real um, idea to go into to, to goalkeeping coaching. All I know is I, I really enjoyed playing the position. Um, what I used to do was, and I, to this day, I don't really know the reason why, but um, all of Tony's sessions, I used to write down all of these little key details, all of his key phrases, the way he managed difference, the way he interacted with the with the players in the goalkeeping group that we had. I, I, it's just stuff I, I wrote down. And like I say, to this day, I don't really know the answer to why I did that. But um, I found very quickly that I wasn't going to be a professional footballer. As I got a little bit older, um, I, I started doing my coaching badges, um, of which Tony again was was one of the um, was one of the tutors of that. So he's been a real a real um, mainstay as part of my journey. Certainly, very very early on. Um, my route into into professional football as it was, I was just coaching. I had my own little goalkeeping schools, stuff like that. Um, but a, a couple of the boys got picked up by Carlisle United. Um, and I don't know how this happened, but the, there was a vacancy for an assistant academy goalkeeping coach. I think that the goalkeeping coach at the time rung me by mistake because when I answered the phone, he said, is this John? I said, no, it's Ben. Uh, and then he hung up on me um, and then he rung me back and, and offered me a job to, to go and work um, in, in Carlisle United's academy initially as an assistant. So that was that was my route, really. Um, into into professional coaching as it was very very early on very very early on interesting story yeah and as you said tony he was on a previous episode of this podcast which was a brilliant episode i'm happy to hear that um you learned a lot from him and had him as a mentor that sounds like a brilliant mentor to have absolutely uh, absolutely yeah um carrying on so you went into carlisle and then got got into blackburn and and was the youth there, yeah blackburn yeah. and then Tell us how you got into the the senior. So I, I held some different roles at Carlisle. Um, I um, initially I was just part time in the academy, um, but I was full time. Um, you know, going into schools, delivering sports sessions, PE sessions. So that's what gave me a real grounding in terms of coaching in general. Um, over the years, I was at Carlisle for about eight years. Um, a couple of the goalkeepers moved on and, and, and subsequently did very, very well. Um, I, uh, I then had the opportunity to, to come down to Blackburn. So I came down to Blackburn in a in a head of academy goalkeeping role. Um, a massive challenge, massively different to, to, to what I've done previously at Carlisle. So if you can imagine... Um, the, the only way I can describe it, it's uh, it's like um, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Um, I walked into Blackburn kind of day one and all of a sudden you've got a goalkeeping area, you've got 25 goals, you've got loads of goalkeepers, all the footballs in the world that you want to work with. So it was, uh, it was very much like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory for me coming into Blackburn. As I say, initially I came in as um, as, as head of academy goalkeeping. Um, that, that was overseeing the programme from... Um, pre-academy through to uh, 18s initially and then 23s became a tag on um as as with all first team football um managers move on coaching staff come and go um and uh, myself and a couple of the other academy staff we stepped up on an interim basis when um, tony mowbray came in um unfortunately we got relegated 
Um, so we stepped up with 15 games to go. Uh, we unfortunately got relegated. I think it was by one point in the end. We only lost three games, but disappointing nonetheless. Um, and the plan always was to go back down um, into into the academy, go back to the to the pre-academy and 18s and, and stuff like that. Um, as a, as a as a bolt out of the blue, really, it was a shock to me uh, that the manager decided to stay, and he subsequently rung me and, and asked if I would stay on as his as his goalkeeping coach with the first team. So um, it was very much a shock. Um, it, it probably wasn't something I ever envisaged I would do, given my um, given my background into the game, albeit an unconventional route in. It isn't it isn't something I I seeked out to do. It isn't something I ever envisaged I would do. Um, but it was it was nice to get the phone call nonetheless, and subsequently I, I stayed on as well, and um, that that's the role I've held since. Yeah, that's that's lovely that uh, you got to stay. That's uh, <laughs> that sometimes you need a bit of luck, but also you've obviously proved yourself as as a senior goalkeeper coach, and this is why you stayed. So I'm a little bit curious about the transition of coaching youth yeah to going into senior like what are the main differences because i know i know that a little bit that yeah so in, in youth it's a lot about development and of course performing but a senior it's about performance and you play for points right yeah yeah and i think very very early on that was a real challenge for me um because my formative years as a coach and as i say um i i, I was very lucky to, to to do the first team job at 27 um, so still very, very young, um, very inexperienced, of course, as well. Um, so I was aware I was probably learning a lot on the job. Um, the, the the transition between development and, uh, and playing for points, I actually don't see the difference. I think it's intertwined. I think it's, it's virtually one of the same. Um, I think what being in an academy taught me was to be very, very process based. Um, and similarly, even now at senior level, we're very process based. Um, if you take the result in isolation, I think sometimes you can you can lose a little bit of identity with that because we understand first team football. Ultimately, it is about three points, but we understand there's bumps in the road. Um, and I'm led, you know, I, I've always believed there has to be a process. And when I go back to my formative years um, as a as a as an academy coach. I always lean back on on the mentors that 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 I had. Um, Tony Elliott being one of them, a fantastic developer of goalkeepers, no doubt about that. Simon Smith was another one for me. Um, he's somebody, you know, not being um not being a player, I I fell into a into a mode of having to be, and I think it's a word that's that's used quite a lot now. Um, you know, I, I chose to go down a, a very educationalist route, a very academic route. Um, I felt I was always going to have to be quite academic and a studier of goalkeeping because I had no playing um, experience at the top end. So I fell down a development route. It's always been close to my heart. Um, I think what having the mentors, Tony Cage, Simon Smith, uh, Tony Elliott, Dave Timmins, you know, I, I could I could keep going on, but but those four people for me, they gave me um, they firstly gave me access. So when I say access, they gave me the opportunity to watch first team football when when I was an academy coach and they were taking the subsequent first teams. So 
you'd always be in and around it. You'd always have one eye on it. You never thought you'd go into it, but you see how, how they would structure sessions, how they would lay a detail, how they would deliver detail. Um, so the mentors for me were a massive, massive um, stepping stone for me, really, into, into the role I'm in now. But the question of development versus free points, in my opinion, um, it, it's very, very intertwined because I don't think you can have one without the other. Spot on. I mean, I'm I'm very curious to to hear a little bit more about your path into pro goalkeeping, Ben, because <clears throat> we ha we've had a had a similar guest, in my opinion, that had like the kind of similar route into goalkeeper coaching as you yeah. and. I won't name any names, but this guest said that there was a lot of doubt on his name in coming into the industry and a lot of not only players, but also other coaches and obviously also fans in the industry was doubting him because, oh, you haven't played the pro game. So how about being an actual professional goalkeeper, this and that. So from your perspective or within your experience, yeah, have you had a hard time trying to really adapt um, into the pro I environment? I think I think it's a brilliant um, I think it's a brilliant question, and I would be lying if um, if I said that there wasn't tough days. As I said very very early on, a lot of learning on the job. So uh, set plays being being probably a good example in in certainly developmental football. It's 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 not really trained. It's not really done. So on and so on. You step up to a first team, and all of a sudden, a manager gives you ownership and autonomy over a certain aspect and a relatively big aspect of of, of a football club and a, and a football team. Um, so that was one area that um, that I was certainly uncomfortable with initially, and and probably had to do a lot of learning on the job. I think the um, the big thing I would suggest about my my pathway, and I can only talk about my pathway, I can't talk about anybody else's, the word I always come back to is unconventional. Um, but but I think over the, over the last kind of five to ten years, and, and I would suggest moving forward as well, I think there will be a lot more people that follow this pathway for, for different reasons, of course. The education structure becoming stronger year on year, uh, the amount of people getting qualified and, and as well as the opportunities that this country can afford um, coaches to go into the industry full time. So I would suggest the one word I always say about my pathway is unconventional. I came to football quite late. Um, I wasn't from a footballing family, um, very kind of educational background, but I would or academic background but i would argue that that has been a strength for me in days where there has been challenges whereby um you know that there's an element of doubt over a goalkeeper or they're unsure about a goal on a saturday whatever it may be um you sit there almost with with some form of armor on you uh, to protect you that you have an academic educational background but what i would also say as well and i go back to it your mentors are vitally important because um, sometimes in 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 goalkeeping terms, uh, and I'm very very lucky here that that I have an assistant now as well. Um, so when the uh, when the arrows come flying and the bullets come flying, there's actually two of us to um, there's two of us that we can bounce ideas off and speak and and whatever else. But I think having your mentors is vitally important because um, being being in any football club, never uh, in any team first team or academy team 
it isn't a bed of roses. It isn't easy. It's certainly not for the faint of hearted. Um, I can remember somebody saying to me, um, you will learn things that no course can prepare you for, which I think is absolutely right. Um, uh, you know, I think I think the, the key that I've always been and, and I'm, you know, I don't consider myself a brilliant coach, a good coach, a super coach, whatever. You know, I think the, the good coach will look different to different people at different times. I think what what I always try and do um, is bring my human side, is bring my human qualities, is um, is try and build connection. Um, because I think if you can build connection, um, I think that gives you the opportunity to develop, uh, develop them as goalkeepers, develop them as people, which will then subsequently or hopefully um, develop them on a Saturday, on a Tuesday, whatever it may be, when 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 the games come around. Um, but like I say, the environment I've been lucky enough um to have here pre with previous management uh, and similarly with with the new manager and his staff now um they are very very open-minded they're very um they're very welcoming of of my kind of background in the game in the respect of it isn't a conventional one it's a very unconventional one um but i i would suggest it's um it's been very supportive it has been very supportive but the environment will test you um senior players will test you um professional players will test you so i think it's it's the human aspect and and the connections that i certainly try and push to um to navigate those choppy waters if if and when they do come love that answer and i want to go a little bit deeper into what you say about the human connections and i always when i hear that i always think about again one of our previous episodes and this one was with vitas malis um and he t spoke with us about one of the most important aspects for him as a goalkeeper coach is really not obviously to be a dictator in front of his goalkeepers. It is really to almost be like a, a friendly advisor yeah. where you are as a mentor, right? If you, you have a certain relationship with your goalkeepers and all goalkeepers are obviously different. So if you have a goalkeeper squad of three to five goalkeepers, they'll all act differently to your responses and your advice, all this kind of stuff. So it's very, very important as a goalkeeper coach to know your goalkeepers also as a in yeah. general as as a head coach as well to know your players and how you can improve them so talking from your experience and you also obviously also mentioned earlier that it's an important aspect within your your goalkeeper coaching how do you how do you approach that well i i, I it, it's something i i think i probably fell on really um you know i, I always liken it to to being back at school and I always found um, the best connection I had as a pupil um, was with a teacher that was understanding, that showed caring what I did inside and outside of school um, and generally just made time to, to talk about whatever it is you need to talk about. So you firstly, you create the environment um, and then subsequently the, the human value takes over. And then I think you can you can then shape the group. But the more I see of um of of goalkeepers goalkeeping coaching um development of goalkeepers i think the strength of what we do as as a as an industry as a, as a group of a group of goalkeeping coaches the strength of what we do is in the group um 
the management of the group. Um, I've always been a big believer in in um, the recruitment of good people, first and foremost, uh, whether that be in developmental football or, or senior football. I think if you can recruit good people, it gives you an opportunity to shape um, the environment around them. Um, so we've been very, very lucky here that um, over the over the, the course of my time, the six years or so I've been here, um, we've had some really, really good people, some really, really good human beings that have all connected with each other. Because like I say, um, I think it, it, it's one of the very few positions in the team where ultimately one, only one person plays, of course, more often than not. Um, but I think there's a genuine, a genuine empathy um, for the for the other goalkeepers when a mistake happens or when something goes wrong or whatever it may be. I think it is a real, real uniqueness of our playing position. And I've always believed the strength of what we do as, as goalkeeping coaches is in the group. Um, and as I say, from having David Raya here, David... David was was a tremendous goalkeeper, but he was also a tremendous human being and brilliant for the younger goalkeepers coming through. Um, if I fast forward to to now with with Thomas Kaminsky, again, an unbelievably talented goalkeeper and a phenomenally talented human being, and he 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 cultivates the atmosphere he cultivates the group um which hopefully then gives them a bedrock to, to 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 go on and be successful themselves and it's almost like passing it down to the next generation so when the next goalkeeper comes through here whether that may be they've hopefully been surrounded by the, this environment and they pass it on to the next group and the next group after that so um i think i think trying to connect with with the group is important, but then also allowing the group to to self manage, and and try and develop the other goalkeepers as well. I think is really important. Spot on, spot on, and and then talking about this, you brought him up, Thomas Kaminsky. You might actually not know this, but me myself, I'm a massive FC Copenhagen fan, and oh really? Thomas used to, yeah, Thomas used to play in, in Copenhagen, yeah. right? Yeah, and. I want to share a little story with you here because um, if you look back at Thomas' career, it was a very short career at Copenhagen. Yeah. And if you ask him as well, he, I think he had a had a hard time at Copenhagen because he wasn't the starter, he was the yeah. backup, and this and that. But the one moment that came to my mind when you said his name was that he wasn't playing um, a lot of games, but then suddenly we had a derby against Brøndby. Our, our rivals and correct me if I'm wrong I think there was a, an injury for the first goalkeeper or it was him coming in in some way so he yeah. was suddenly in the starting position right and he had the game of his life he hasn't been playing for 15 20 25 games but then he came in a, in a setting of 35 40,000 people in the most important game in the Danish league and he go in last minute massive save this is the moment that really stuck in my mind with thomas kaminsky and i think that's a true example of of how us as we are have character uh, agreed and and he, he speaks very very fondly about his time at copenhagen and i know for him um as a, as a young goalkeeper as he, as he was then he felt that was a real real um big moment in his in his career um and it's it's like i said you know the um 
the the human value in what we do and, and the strength of what we do is in the group and because we understand an injury a red card all of a sudden it changes again the next person comes in so i think it's really really important to 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 have to have high standards to demand high standards but but also have the empathy for the people within the group because at some stage it's going to be them on the flip side as well when mistakes do happen um it's important that you know i can only i can only talk about the group i have here um but it, it it's a very very it's a talented group for one but it's it's a it's a group full of really really talented people um and people who have a genuine respect and interest for each other and each other's career so i think that's really really important and as I say, Thomas Thomas speaks very very fondly about his um, about his time at Copenhagen. But similarly, he he uses that as a um, as a as a story for the younger goalkeepers in the group to say that look, you may well be in situations and circumstances where you might not be playing at this moment in time, whatever it may be. But the moment will come, and when it does come therein lies your opportunity so he he's brilliant to have somebody of his level of experience first and foremost um it, it's brilliant for myself it's brilliant for the other goalkeepers within the group that he can share stories similar to what you were saying there marcus yeah really interesting stories here guys and and thanks for sharing that because it's something that we can learn about for sure and I actually think that this podcast episode has been really interesting and there's a lot of notable quotes, notes. I don't know. I don't know what you hopefully, say exactly. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. People haven't tuned out, but hopefully. No, no, we'll, we'll see. Um, we'll see how the feedback is. I'm sure there's some out there who will come back to us on, <laughs> on how this was. Uh, but Ben, before we, we let you go, we have our usual also sequence, which we've had ever since we started, which is about gloves. So, Ben, since this podcast is called Gloves on Podcast, yeah. what are your favorite gloves and um, why? So, I've, um, I, as, as a young amateur goalkeeper, I tried quite a lot of things. Uh, I think my very first pair of gloves were some Nike Vapor Grips. Uh, and I wish I'd kept them because I think you can get them on eBay now. And I think they're about £80, the old ones. So, I wish I'd kept them. Um, so, they were my very, very first gloves. Um, I think I then moved on to a little bit of Puma as well. I think Tony Elliott was with Puma at the time and as part of his goalkeeping schools. Um, I, I, I had some of those. So the Buffon ones that he wore in the World Cup, that were all gold. Mm -hmm. I had them ones. Uh, nice. And then ever since I, I kind of went into coaching, I, I've been with Roish. Um, and Roish have been fantastic for myself. They've been fantastic for uh, the academy goalkeepers as well at, at both clubs I've worked at. So uh, I've been with Roish since I was about 17. Um, so a good nearly 16-year stint with them. Fantastic gloves um, and um they're very very supportive of, of myself so um but just on that i always tend to wear a white palm uh white palm and a white background i'm quite traditionalist in that way if i can be so no doubt there'll be some pictures somewhere of me in some bright ones somewhere but i always try my best as a traditionalist to um to, to wear a white palm glove yeah yeah, yeah Roger's is a great company and i think one of my favorite gloves all time, which people should know now, is also the Night Vapor Grip 3. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I also agree with a, a white glove. I just think it looks so good. Definitely. Uh, complete white glove. Um, but yeah, Ben, thank you so much for, for sharing your knowledge today. It was a yeah, pleasure to have you on. No, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. 
And to you guys still listening out there, please go follow Gloves on Podcast on your favorite social media, leave a review, and share this with one other goalkeeper for them to keep improving. Catch you on the next episode of Gloves on Podcast. Mm-hmm.